the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Good morning, everyone. Happy Saturday, and I guess happy spring. Although we didn't have such a horrible winter this year, but it's so nice to see spring. I love the seasons, and I love when the weather's starting to get nice and it's starting to stay up. It stays light later, and people are all out. So I, I love spring. So happy spring, and you know you're listening to Iron Real Estate. And, of course, real estate is uh, everywhere. Everyone talks about it. Everyone wants to know about it. Matter of fact, sometimes I just have to run away from people because no matter where I am, they want to know about real estate. And don't forget, 90% of all millionaires became that way through owning real estate. And um, there was a quote from Andrew Carnegie, one of the wealthiest entrepreneurs of all times, and he said, it's just, real estate is just as relevant today as it was more than s- centuries ago. And of course, the millennials, which is a generation that you're probably going to be selling to because they are the biggest buyers of real estate at the moment, they're definitely into it. And I remember a day when people said, oh, they're never going to buy. We, I think it was 2007, 2008, when things were bad. And they're seeing their parents lose money. They'll never buy real estate. Well, obviously, those people were wrong. And uh, we at, uh, at <laughs> we were right because we said, BS, the American dream is alive and well and will always be well. People always want to buy or own real estate. Please tune into our show live on Saturdays at am970theanswer.com or the AM970 The Answer mobile app, or iHeartRadio app, or the iTunes in-app, okay? And don't forget, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. It's a lot of work, but I've got it on. And you can visit me at DottieHerman.com for exciting news. I do a newsletter and the latest information. If you have any questions, we love to hear from you. So feel free to call us at 866-970-9622. And even if we can't get you on the air, we'll try to answer your questions. Of course, my co-host for the first hour is our legal attorney, Stephen Ebert. He's a partner at the prestigious firm Caston & Caston, which is a national firm located in Westchester, to fill us in on the latest legal developments. And so much is going on, it's hard to keep up with everything. But he's got a lot of good information for you today. 
At 11 o'clock, we have Pete Nelson, who was supposed to be on last week, but he was sick. Um, he's the star of Animal Planet series, Treehouse Masters. He's the founder of Nelson Treehouse and Supply, and he's the author of six books on the art and science of treehouse buildings. I don't know about you, but when I was a little kid, I always wanted to have a treehouse. Um, I don't think my dad ever built me one, but I always wanted one. Pete fell in love with treehouses as a child, and today he has created hundreds of treehouses around the world with his design and build firm, Treehouse and Supply. And he's also published many books, and hey, you never want to lose a kid in you. If there was a treehouse that I had now, I would still use it. Okay, so he'll be on. You're going to want to hear him. He's, he's great. He's got a million books. In the beginning of the show, I'd like to tell you a little bit what's going on currently uh, in the tri-state. And um, the occupants flee a 1,400-foot one Vanderbilt after a huge shake. Now, I don't know if you know this, but office workers on one Vanderbilt felt a very scary earthquake-like tremor in New York City's third tallest building on Tuesday, causing many to voluntarily evacuate. SL Green owns and developed a 93-store building which opened in 2020 at Grand Central Terminal in Midtown Manhattan. It was the scene of a panic Tuesday afternoon when an external elevator that takes visitors to the building's observation deck malfunctioned during maintenance. Workers in the building quickly took to social media to describe the scene inside the 1,400-foot tall skyscraper of the tallest office building in Manhattan. One posted that a huge shake that he felt like a huge thing, he thought that it was going to collapse, ran through the buildings, and mechanics worked on the software and updated the elevator late Tuesday afternoon, and um, hopefully they fixed it. <laughs> Uh, New York City Department of Buildings said that three of the elevator mechanics sustained minor injuries and refused medical attention. But everything worked out okay, so that's the good news. Um, you know, we heard last week about that bike, the banking crisis. with, uh, And after a week that's gone by, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation took control of Signature Bank. It found the buyer for all of its deposits and the portion of its assets that excludes its sizable commercial real estate loan portfolio. So they took the bank over, but they did not take its commercial real estate loan portfolio. Um, the deal included $12.9 billion of loans on Signature Bridge Bank's books at a discount of $2.7 billion, and the assumption of all the bank's deposits except for its $4 billion of cryptocurrency deposits will be handled directly. So at least that's some good news. The bank didn't uh, fall apart, and most people didn't. Oh, well, nobody lost money. I mean, the, the president, I believe, covered everyone. So that's all good. Uh, what else can I tell you? The owners of 15th Central Park West, okay, which is a fairly affluent area, um, they foreclosed on a $125 million loan. And they're, they're a very group of high, I won't mention their names, but they're very high-profile real estate investors, and they're facing a foreclosure if they're defaulting on their debt backing in the retail space. 
um, and they're they're on the luxury condominiums at 15 Central Park, and um, the loan matured on September 6th, and uh, they haven't paid. Now retail's been tough, but we still believe that long term the assets prospects of getting a new buyer are pretty good uh, because it's a great area. I think I might have told you this already, but Manhattan may get its first casino. SL Green, I, 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 I think SL Green is selling its bid as the only New York proposal. And uh, he said that there's other bidders and, want, and, and people want to eat, sleep, and lose all sense of time in the venue. And he's got an approach for casinos where windows are rarer than winning roulette. And he wants guests to stay there for the duration of their trip in New York. But the Real Estate Investment Trust is framing its proposal at a rising tide that will lift other hotels and restaurants. He's feeling that the people that go to the casinos, a lot of them will be from out of town, and they will stay at other hotels and also bring more business um, to New York City. Now, of course, people that are against casinos... They argue that gambling venues don't generate consumer spending, but merely cannibalize it from other establishments. So, of course, there's always two sides. But you know what? That's good. I, I, I like a healthy debate, right? You don't want everyone to be kind of like moonies and just believe everything that everyone says and say yes. Uh, that's socialism, and uh, we don't want that. Um, and the latest developers to enter a race, for one of the, and they want to do casinos in Coney Island. I think that's going to happen, but we'll just wait and see. And um, I'm curious to see how that affects everybody and how that affects New York. Or do you think that maybe your opinion, whether you think that's good for New York or not? The Flatiron building sold at an auction to a prize bidder. We don't know. It was It was sold. It was supposed to be sold, but the guy backed out the list, but I don't know what happened. And uh, it was sold for $190 million at an auction in front of Manhattan's courthouse on Wednesday, bringing to a, it brought to a close a two-year-long dispute and put the iconic building under new ownership. At the sale, Abraham Trust, a firm led by Washington, D.C.-based investor, secured the property for $190 million. That's from the real deal. And uh, let's say, face it, people are buying in New York. People are building in New York. Steve, people are investing in New York. So I think New York is on its really way back to a, a strong recovery. And, of course, it's taken some time, but I really think it came back quicker than I would have expected to. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Dottie, uh, good morning. And, and I think there's a lot of activity going on. And, and as the expression goes, the, you know, the proof is in the pudding. You know, we're seeing, you know, an increase in the number of people, one, talking about doing transactions, and two, people actually doing transactions. And I think you see a noticeable difference um, over the last couple of months. And, and And what's amazing about it, when you think about all of the uphill issues, right? And things, oh. by the way, nothing to do with the city. But when you think about, you know, global news, when you think about the banks that we talked about the last couple of weeks, when you think about all those items happening and people are still moving forward on transactions, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great positive sign. 
And remember, things don't happen overnight. You know, there is a lead time that people need to do transactions, right? You know, sometimes in just the ordinary course, right? You know, it's like shopping, right? If you go to the store and you're looking to buy a new outfit, you don't just buy the first thing that you see on the rack in the first store. Hopefully not. Minute. Hopefully not. Hopefully um, not. And sometimes you do. Sometimes, you know, that's exactly what I want and you're done. But, but most of the time is you look around, you try it out, you give it a feel, it takes time. And now imagine on real estate, right, you got to confirm your neighborhood, your building, is the apartment available and the timing for that. And maybe even if you make a deal – the seller needs a little bit more time to move out. So instead of a 60-day close, it's a 180-day close, right? So all these different pieces going on, and notwithstanding all that, we definitely see the increase in activity. So a lot of good positive signs there. And, Steve, I think we want to keep our watch, our, our eyes open, because, you know, up until, uh, I, I'm not sure the date, but up until a while ago, if you were a foreigner, uh, you know, with COVID, you you weren't buying in the city. You couldn't even leave where you were. So, I I I think we're going to see more foreigners start to enter, come back to the market. They're starting a little at a time. Not that New York was made up. You know, everyone thought, oh gosh, uh, we just want foreigners, and there's so many foreigners. Well, most of New Yorkers that buy New York are from, are from the New York you know New York area. But there was a maybe twenty percent of foreigners. And that kind of dried up during COVID. So I'm watching that come back. I think I'm watching the rebirth of the city with so many young people dying to be in the city and coming back to this. Well, actually not coming back, starting out in the city. And I um, was looking up rents, and I think you would know this, Steve, that New York City has the highest rents in the country. And people are willing to pay them, even if they have to put two or three people in a an apartment. Um, why is that? Because well, I, I think. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I said young people the, love New York City. You know, it, it's so true, and they, and they realize what a lot of things that they miss. And it, it, there's nothing like New York in the sense that you have the concentration of of quality people business, entertainment, dining, educational institutions, etc., in such a compact area. And, you know, as wonderful as technology is, and Dottie, I know we're going to talk more about technology today, but the fact is there's a human touch and a human element. And putting that in close proximity really puts together that sort of secret sauce magic formula. Yes, and you know something? I, I think I say this every week, but I'm going to say it again. I always say that the world can learn a lesson from New York City. You know, I've traveled a lot, especially in the States. And, you know, New York City, really, every walk of life, every language, every color, every type of person, every type of dress. And it's a vertical city, as you said. It's, it's you know, and they accept everyone. Everything is accepted, whereas... If you walked around with some of the outfits that people wear in New York City, I think they throw them out in other places. No one stands out. It's an acceptance of everything. And I think, you know, I, I think everyone knows I lived on Long Island most of my life until uh, I took over. I mean, I would go to the city for clubs and stuff, but I didn't live there. And I moved in when I purchased Douglas Elliman. 
And I've grown so much for the city because, you know, the, the, the suburbs are great, but, you know, they're, they're a bit segmented. And when you get into New York City, everyone's there, and you really learn a lot about different people, different cultures. Um, I don't think there's anything like it in the world. I really don't. And I look at New York City and I say, congratulations, New York City. We still have work to do. We've got to clean up some of the rodent situations. I just heard that the mayor appointed a rat star. I don't. I wouldn't be applying for that job, but somebody did. So, um, <laughs> so this okay. It's not something I. You know, to. look, there's there's good jobs out there. You know, for people who are looking that may not be number one or not even in the top ten or even top twenty five on your list. The fact is, there are, are different opportunities and different things out there, and. Um, you know what? For somebody who is organized and wants to make the city a great place, the fact is, to to make this wonderful city, there's a lot of things that have to happen. And that's one of them. Yeah. I have to tell you a funny story. When I first moved into the city, I have a, a, a low-platform bed in my apartment, and I live in a very nice area in the city and a very nice building. And um, I'm in my bed, and I think, that I see either a mouse or I mean I, I or a rat, but I think it was a mouse. Um, but I thought, no, that can't be. I took a double take, but then I saw it again. So I called up and I said, "Please come. There's a, there's a mouse or there's something. I, I can't." And my bed is low, so the mouse could be on my bed. So they came up and they tried to catch the mouse, but they could not catch him. Okay, and I said, now it's 11 o'clock at night. I cannot stay here. I can't stay knowing there's a mouse in my apartment. I'm getting out of here. So I called my friend, and uh, he happened to be talking. He was with his friends. He said, oh, just come meet us. We're still out. And I had no idea who I was talking to, but when I went there, I interrupted a man that was speaking, and I didn't realize it was this, it was Stephen Tish, who is the owner or one of the owners of the Giants football team. And I said, I don't care about what you're talking about. I have a mouse. He took his phone. He said, where do you live? I told him. Made a call at midnight at 6 o'clock in the morning. He sent somebody there. And that was the end of my uh, situation. And that's how I met him. So I think that was a great story. But I, I think we're coming up to commercial break. I want to talk about artificial intelligence. It's taking over a lot of a lot of things and there's a lot of controversy on it some people think it's great some people are worried about it's taking away their jobs um, so when we come back I think Steve and I are going to talk about artificial intelligence the role it's been playing the role we think it's going to continue to play and uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it we'll be right back you're listening to Ion Real Estate 970 AM Okay, Mr. and Mrs. Local Business Owner, do you get calls from multiple digital marketing firms trying to sell you the quick fix to your marketing challenges? Maybe you've bought the latest tactic that some hotshot sold you and you're wondering where your results are. The problem is you know you need to market your business, but trusting a partner, well, 
That's been a challenge. Our solution for many local business owners is through our digital marketing solutions, Salem Surround. Salem Surround is unique because we're based on the same guiding principles that Salem Media is. We actually care about our clients and we're accountable to our results. The same care that we deliver our radio content to you is the same we do with all our digital marketing services. So reach out to us at SalemSurround.com today and we'll consult with you about your individual needs and create a customized plan to actually do what you need your investment to do. That's SalemSurround.com, a full-service digital marketing solution for your business. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought I'd care about gardening until I bought a house in the suburbs. But now I find myself in conversations about liquid fertilizer, and I wonder, am I the fertilizer guy now? (laughs) No, no way. Everyone knows the ratio between phosphorus and nitrogen, right? Yeah, I'm still totally cool. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. This is Dennis Prager inviting you to join me for an extraordinary travel opportunity that will be the highlight of your year, maybe a highlight of your life. Mike Gallagher and I are headed back to Israel this October for the Stand with Israel tour. Join us along with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours, as we uncover important geopolitical sites and show you Israel's significance on the world stage. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com to register or call 855-565-5519. This is Dottie Herman, Vice Chair of Douglas Elliman, host of Ion Real Estate on AM 970 The Answer. Listen, I just discovered a new line of skincare products that I have to tell you about. I have tried so many products that have been on the market for many years. So that's why I'm so excited by Hemp Leaf. The Vanilla Passion Skin Cream is soft and, and the scent is so calming. The feeling on my skin, well, it's just amazing. It's not at all greasy and I can feel my skin perking up. The black soap, while it may look less than inviting, was the most amazing surprise. It's smooth and creamy and makes my skin feel so soft and hydrated. And I'm a buff on skin. I'm really looking forward to trying the rest of the product line and sharing my thoughts with you. I would never put anything on my body that I wouldn't put in it. So visit us at www.hemplifeleaf.com. That's www.hemplief.com. And if you uh, check out, you'll say my name and you'll get 10% off. And by the way, I'm telling you, it is great. It's one of the best products I've ever used. It's that time of year again when we show appreciation to the ones who matter most. Why not make this Mother's Day a brunch to remember and your Father's Day barbecue the talk of the family? DR Catering can make your family gathering one of a kind. Want small and intimate? Let DR show you how to do it best. Had something more extravagant in mind? DR Catering can provide event decorations, entertainment options, and equipment rentals. From your menu to your decor, DR Catering can 
takes your concept and makes it reality. Known for their fresh ingredients, DR Catering takes pride in not using processed or packaged foods. You'll get a homemade meal every single time. Call 201-673-7380 to inquire or email Dominic at drizzo at drcatering.com. That's 201-673-7380 or email drizzo at drcatering.com. Listen to AM 970 The Answer on Alexa. Tune in iHeart or odyssey.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back. You're listening to Eye on Real Estate. I'm here with my co-host, Stephen Ebert. And uh, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence. And... Um, it's a wide-ranging branch of computer scientists concerned with building smart machines that perform tasks that typically require human intelligence, advanced learning, okay? And there's been a paradigm shift in virtually every sector of, the indus- of every industry. It allows machines to model and improve of the capabilities of people and from the developers of self um, people every industry is investing in AI and there's a lot of controversy about it and um, it really I'd like to talk a little about it I mean I can talk about it a little bit every week but the the human approach is that AI is the system thinks like humans and the system can act like humans. And um, I have seen uh, films where they show uh, somebody that has AI, which is, and they're talking to someone on the phone, and the person on the phone does not realize they're talking to artificial intelligence, and they're having this complete conversation, and the person never knows it. I mean, it is uh, really amazing what it could do. I would like to tell you that um, in real estate, it could change the real estate business, okay? It's become a buzzword in many industry sectors, and real estate is no exception. But like many new trendy terms, it's commonly misunderstood. Contrary to what many people feared, the rise of AI hasn't led to a surge of jobs being replaced by computers. You still need a real estate agent, and neither is it likely to in the foreseeable future. Rather, it's emerged out of a need to derive greater value from increasingly normal data sets. And, you know, I'll just give you an example. If you um, wanted to know anything about a property, AI would be able to give you the history for like the last hundred years, okay? It really can tell you everything you want to know. It can analyze what it's worth. Um, it can perform market analysis. You know what the agents do for you? One of the most exciting applications of AI is predicting future outcomes. Now, that's important when you're buying real estate, whether it's global weather patterns or complex markets. This area in particular has the potential to change the world of business beyond measure. In a sector like real estate, where the stakes are so high, 
The ability to anticipate market fluctuations is something of a holy grail to investors. With the right combination of human expertise, and again, I don't say it replaces a human, but it really, together, it makes it even more productive. It can predict future rents. Listen to this. AI can predict future rents and future sales prices, identify the latest market trends, okay, and even pinpoint new investment opportunities. Given how much the real estate market relies on good timing, these tools can really help reduce risk and maximize ROI. It also offers simplified customer care. No one likes picking up the phone and waiting on the line for someone unknowledgeable. You know, for you know, if you sometimes pick up a phone, I did this once in a while in my own company. You could be on hold for a while. Okay, it answers the phone right away. It can answer questions right away. Actually, in my opinion, and please, if you're in a you're, you know, if you're in a receptionist, don't take this the wrong way. I think that it could really take the place of receptionists. Okay, it helps smaller real estate agents maintaining a full staff. Um, and helps them. In some cases, it, it recommends properties that are even more effective than the real estate agents would even know about. On top of that, recent advances in natural language processing and machine learning mean customers can interact with them in much the same way they interact with an agent. So you can actually interact with artificial intelligence. It enables smart contracts. Okay, I mean, it's really, like, imagine when you go to buy something, it can, it can actually tell you the outcome if you're buying rental property, what the, the rents are going to be. Now, of course, everything has pros and cons. Okay, so I will tell you one thing. Artificial intelligence is here to stay. As many people that have reservations about it, with the increasing use of AI, it's, it's not going to stop. Many, mar many people say, well, it's going to take my job. A robot is going to take my job. Okay? I'm going to be replaced by a robot. The lead to a key question is, do the benefits of AI outweigh the possible negatives of its use? Okay? So I don't think so. I think they're going to work together to make an experience even more enhanced. Okay, the pros of artificial intelligence are they reduce errors. Human error can create all sorts of problems for property development projects. It takes for an architect to enter inaccurate data. I mean, it just really corrects everything. It's a superior analytical tool, and when you're doing especially investment real estate, a lot of research goes into the average property development project. And... Um, it needs to be constantly monitored, and AI does that. It helps with transactions. It's a 24-hour operation. It never sleeps. Okay? It's not like humans. It doesn't have to go to bed. And um, I, I, I could go on and on and on. Okay, now the cons of it, you can see how the rise of AI offers benefits to a lot of sectors. However, it is also a cause of some concern particularly in terms of the human cost. Here are some of the cons of AI in property development. Well, people are afraid that they're going to lose their jobs. 
AI can handle a lot of the manual tasks that you have to do before starting a project development. Take the research required to find a suitable location as an example. This usually requires hours of efforts on your part. You may also draft in a real estate professional to help you with work. Um, AI does this all, okay? So people that do that for a living might be a little bit threatened, but I don't think so. I think that it will create more jobs. Um, implementing an AI system isn't low cost. I mean, it's expensive, so there's a price. But the software alone can set you back thousands of dollars. So you have to have money to do it. But it is really consistent, okay? It, it really has it, The technology is that we have today is still in its early stages of development. But as we go forward, it's just going to get better and better and better. Okay? The con of, of, you know, the one negative thing about artificial intelligence some property developers may see AI as a way to cut the cost of designing buildings. However, it is unlikely that AI will prove useful for anything but the most basic of structures. While it can leverage huge amounts of data, it can't replicate human creativity. So, it has pros and cons. Uh, the cost is high, but the information is incredible. Okay, still it's clear that AI is just really beginning and we're using it all over as you know we're using it in many things that we do right now so um i don't think it's going away i i mean i think it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger what do you think about uh, artificial intelligence steven well i i think it's part of the natural progression i mean that we've had different evolutionary points in human society right if we go back to the industrial revolution remember that you know, when we were students in high school, we talked about how the changes of industrial revolution yes. and equipment, right? We, we look at how the percentage of society, when the country was formed, um, now with the percentage that were farmers, probably over half of the people who signed the, you know, the Declaration of Independence were farmers. Now they represent maybe 1% to 2% of the population. So the types of jobs changed. Um, and, and how society's evolved. I know we're about to come to a break, Dottie. When we come back, I want to talk about exactly this technology and some of our daily interactions. Great. We'll be right back. We're going to talk to Steve, continue with artificial intelligence, and talk about facial recognition. And Steve wrote a wonderful article that we have to talk about. Take as little as three minutes to see if you could save on motorcycle insurance with Progressive. Come on, you've spent more time than that trying to name your bike. Hmm, how about the Crusher? I guess it's not really crushing anything. The Silver Bolt? No. Oh, oh what about Pepper? Mysterious. Is it a pet or a condiment? Surprise! It's a motorcycle. Uh, no, that's stupid. Get a quote in as little as three minutes at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hi, folks. It's Arthur Idala of The Power Hour every night here on AM 970 at 6 p.m. We try to bring you a lot of fun, a lot of energy with a lot of facts, a lot of inside scoop from the courtroom and from the streets of the city of New York with our special guests and our regular co-hosts, Sam Bellino, Joni, Alex, and whoever happens to be walking around the office. Tune in weeknights at 6 p.m. 
Mike Lindell and MyPillow are launching the new MyPillow 2.0 with a special buy one, get one free offer. The MyPillow 2.0 offers a brand new temperature regulating technology that keeps you comfortable throughout the night. The new fabric dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a, a cooler surface temperature. MyPillow knows core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. The new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature throughout the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night's sleep. Machine washable and dryable with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee and made in the USA. Just go to the radio listeners page at MyPillow.com, use the promo code AM970 or call 800-651-0798 800-651-0798 Don't miss this incredible opportunity to buy one, get one free on the new MyPillow 2.0 800 Hi, this is Joan Herman, host of Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Take time for yourself. Tune into Conversations with Joan every Sunday night at 10 p.m. on AM 970 The Answer. For more information, visit CYACYL.com. You're smart, you're busy, and don't have time to waste on the mainstream media cycle. Salem News Channel breaks that cycle. Topics that matter from hosts worth watching. Dinesh D'Souza, Andrew Wilkow, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. Salem News Channel, not like the other guys. Watch anytime, on any screen, free, 24-7. Find everything you need to know at snc.tv. That's snc.tv. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back and you're listening to Eye on Real Estate. We were talking about artificial intelligence. And uh, Stephen, I wanted to turn this over to you and talk about some artificial intelligence, facial recognition, and you wrote, and, and the article, you wrote a wonderful article. So can we talk about facial recognition a little bit first? Absolutely. So, Dottie, we're seeing a progressive trend on the value and importance of data, the collection of data, how it's maintained, how it's transmitted, how also um, it's anonymized, how it's deleted, and there's been a series of laws in different jurisdictions on that. Um, New York State has something what we called the Shield Act, which has been around for oh, getting close to about four years now. Um, and the Shield Act is called, stands for the Stop Hacks and Improve Electronic Data Security. And what that um, was really what we call a data breach law, where how many times have you heard stories of a vendor maybe had credit card? data stolen, right, things like that, and really being notified um, where this data is and maybe be on alert um, to protect your credit, identity theft, and the like. Now, we're moving to another projection of what kind of data we're concerned about as also our mobile networks evolve, right? Dottie, as we're moving from, you know, 4G, you hear about 5G, um, you hear these different cell networks or so forth, 
what you're starting to see is how we identify ourselves as changing, right? Traditionally, you type in a password, and now you have a million passwords, and now you have programs which give you a locker to store passwords, but you have one password for the password locker. It's very cumbersome. It's not really um, something that people can remember if you really have a very in-depth password or they're too similar, which makes them less effective. So what we're moving towards is biometric markers to really identify yourself and to engage in data and communication, whether it's facial recognition, whether it's scanning an eye, whether it is a fingerprint, these unique markers. But, but Dottie, as the technology gets more and more sophisticated, the systems get more sophisticated. So, Dottie, there's a very big difference from an old-school camera from decades ago, maybe in color, maybe in black and white, that sort of has a general recording of things, to cameras that have such specificity that they are able to capture biometric data and be utilized for crime prevention and also analysis of who you are. And I want to talk about this in both the positive and in the negative. Right In the positive, you're seeing some stores, for example, Amazon has a store, where you walk in without any human interaction, they're able to identify who you are, you pick up what you want, like a grab-and-go concept, your lunch or so forth, they know what you took out, and you walk out and they bill you to your account. No so going no to a asset. cash register. Yeah, and, and I want to be very clear, Dottie. It's not just that you went to, you, didn't, you, you eliminated the cashier or person there. You've even eliminated the self-checkout. Um, and, and there's a store like this right by uh, the Chrysler building. But I want to well, also I've, now talk about... Oh, I've also read that Fairway posts facial recognition notice outside their store, and it's it posted a sign outside of its Upper West Side store that states... The business, this business is using facial and voice recognition technology, and uh, the technology is helping the store reduce retail crime and industry-wide challenges have been, that have increased. And um, I understand that they have to tell you that, that they have to, so, like, so Daddy, said, this is... Yes, this is exactly where I'm going on the negative side. So you have the positive side in that one example of, of a more a seamless checkout um, process, and then the negative side of using it to fight, you know, crime. And what's happened is, unfortunately, there's been a lot of instances of shoplifting, and Fairway is using this technique to fight against shoplifters. Now, when we think about, and, you're, and we're going to get to exactly why did Fairway have to put that notice, and is that notice sufficient? And, and it's great that you zeroed in on that because that's exactly one of the things we're going to talk about. But by putting in this sophisticated system, Donnie, it's not just a matter of getting the recording and saying, oh, yeah, let's save it in our file, you know, if we kind of see that person again, right? That's a very passive way to approach it. But what they're doing is using the technology to be proactive, that the system would not only document, which is the traditional way, but alert. And when they could see the similar facial recognition and say, wait a minute, we're seeing the same guy who was there two weeks ago who was stealing, they can immediately alert staff and proactively 
um, take care of the situation. So, Dottie, there's two key laws I want to talk about. One that talks about this and then one that talks about something else. And I want to be clear that this is a New York City law. Okay, it's not national. Yeah, these laws are not national I'm talking about. There are other, there's a patchwork of laws around the country. And, Dottie, when you're talking about trends, this is what makes our federalist system really wonderful. Right? We have national law, state law, county, municipal laws, all these different levels. We have the opportunity to have different jurisdictions be laboratories to see how these laws work, see the pros and cons. And then ultimately, once we can really see how well they work, go to a more unified model over time. But it gives us the opportunity to have laboratories to see how well the laws work. So these laws have been on the books since July of 2021. So we're talking about a year and a half. And the first law that I want to talk about is the biometric privacy law. So this law um, talks about what commercial establishments can do with, um, with, with um, this, this critical information. We're talking about facial recognition, iris scans, fingerprints, and so forth. What can they collect and what can they do? And so this allows commercial establishments, and keep in mind that banks are a little bit different, government buildings are different, and they work a little bit differently. So let's put those on the side. But it allows commercial establishments to collect this information. Okay. But there's a lot of limits. There's a limit in time. So, for example, they can only hold on to this data for 90 days, or they have to what we call anonymize the data. What does that they mean? They have to put, well, they have to make it where you can't exactly tell whose information it is, right? So you can collect trends and averages and say, for example, um, you can't have it where if somebody hacked in, they say, oh, I know that that's Dottie's fingerprint versus someone else's. And they have to take all sorts of measures to really you, you try to protect the privacy of that information. And, of course, as you mentioned that Fairway did, they have to put notices out there. So very, very important that people are aware. And, Dottie, this could manifest itself a lot of different ways. It's not just this one example of a retailer. Imagine if you were on your co-op or condo board and you have a commercial space in your building. Right. And then that's rented out. Does the condo or co-op board have liability? Well, it depends how the lease is written. Who are these vendors that are doing this, saving this information? How is the data transferred? Is it a hardwired or wireless network? And can people break into those networks? And is the data really being handled at the right period of time? And, And Dottie, what's very important is that there is what we call a private right of action under these laws. What that means is that if there is a violation, then what happens is somebody has the potential right to sue. Now, what's interesting about the lawsuit is they have to give the business notice, and the business has 30 days to correct the note, to correct the problem. But if they don't, they can sue. They can sue up to about $5,000, which is not huge, but except that I want to point... 
but it's a lot. But I want to point out there could be more than one lawsuit. Think about how many people walk through a supermarket or buy a cafe any day. It could be thousands and thousands of people. But Stephen, I'm losing Dottie. you on something. So in other sure. words, okay. if you if you have this in your store, let's just say, and it detects that, let's say, I'm there shoplifting or whatever, it's not allowed to say that it's me? I mean, or could it be making a mistake? Or I mean, I'm not certain. Are they alerting the sure. store? How does that work? Like, in other words... Absolutely. Sure. Sure. So, absolutely, they can alert the store. So, let's say, for example... Dottie, you're the serial shoplifter that is, right. you know, stealing the fruit from the stands at, at Fairway. And they catch your biometric information two weeks ago, and all of a sudden they see you approaching again, and it looks like you're about to uh, steal again. They could absolutely set up a system that alerts them. Absolutely, they can hone in on you and watch you, um, notify the police, etc. So it, it, notifies very... the store, it would notify the store that she's in again, okay? <laughs> keep an eye exactly. on Exactly. They could say, oh, she's back, keep an eye, or call or call the police because they'd say, wait a minute, we have a recording from two weeks ago that she was the one that, that stole, you know, all the cantaloupes from the front stand uh, of the supermarket, right? Um, absolutely, they could do that. But they also got to be very careful because there's sort of time restrictions, Right. They, let's say, for example, w- where the supermarket could run into trouble is what if you did that a year ago and now you're coming back? Right. So there are certain time restrictions on these on, on keeping this information. So wow. they got to be very, very careful. And also in the event of breach, who's responsible? Right. You know, how well are some of these buildings and some of these tenants? Now, Fairway is a very large organization. But yes. if you're a little small corner cafe and you put in a security system like this, what kind of negotiation leverage do you have with the vendor? And who is the one legally responsible to make sure the system is compliant? Very, is very important. Answer? Is there an answer or is kind of not figured out yet? Well, it depends how you negotiate the service contract. Do you well, have you, the... And that's really, really important. Yeah, I... I, I would imagine. You, you do. You want to make sure, you know, you understand what your obligations are and, and who's responsible for it. Um, because, again, it, it, could be a very, it could be a very big issue. So it's very interesting, Dottie. You know, this is a very important development. Um, again, we're going to see more businesses use technology and use this biometric inf- gathering information uh, cameras that are out there for security systems. It does allow them to save money on personnel. It does give a higher level of security. And it may also even save them on insurance and other things. Very, very important. Stephen, you say in your article that each building or association has to provide privacy notices for the tenants so that they also have to know. Well, so now we're getting into the second law, and I hope we have time for it. I know know we're getting, amazingly enough, uh, almost out of time for the first hour here. But there's separately another law called the Tenant Data Privacy Act. And this is now talking about systems for actual residential tenants. So now moving away from the security camera for the supermarket scenario, imagine if you're a landlord. And this applies, by the way to any Class A properties. 
So a residential building with three or more units. So that's a lot of real estate in town, you right? Bet. And let's say you say, you know what? I'm, I'm sick of losing keys. It's too much. I'm a concerned maybe about who has a copy of a key and might have improper access to an apartment. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to replace them all, and I'm going to make it that people just put their thumbprint on the keypad, and you become the key. You, the human, is the key for your own door to your apartment. In some wow. ways, it's way more secure because what if you lose a key? What if a contractor or the prior tenant or the prior owner has a copy of that key, right? So you can reset the lock to, to avoid all that issue. Um, but at the same time now, who has my thumbprint? Where is it going to go? And by the way, what happens if I'm one day late on the rent and the landlord pushes a button and says, sorry, your fingerprint's no good. You can't access your apartment, right? You can't With the key in New York, we don't allow what's called self-help, meaning if a tenant hasn't paid their rent, the landlord can't show up and physically force them. They can't physically change locks on them and force them out. You have to go through the courts. Okay? So you, and you, so, just, you, you, don't have, you could just stop somebody from getting in? Well, potentially. So the question, is that legal or illegal? Um, I, I would argue that it's probably illegal, and, and, but it's very, very interesting. Um, what if, for example, let's say the building, let, let, let's take another example. What if the apartment you rent in has amenities, like a gym, or let's say a parking garage? Could the landlord try to play games if you're not paying and say, fine, I'll let you in your apartment, but I'll knock you out of the amenities and not allow that? Um, so there's a lot of very interesting things and, and issues that come up. And so there's a lot of convenience, but there's a lot of monitoring, right? Imagine the following scenario. The landlord tracking where people are, how often they're in the apartment. Do they actually have roommates coming in, right? Are they subletting illegally? Um, who's using the gym, tracking that? And then again, how often are they, how are they saving that data? And can other people breach that? And how are they notifying them and protecting them? So there's Stephen, a lot of great opportunities, but a lot of risk is, out there. This is so, like, it's so interesting. And so it can change the way things go. I, you have to continue this because we really just touched the surface of it. You have to continue this next week because this really could affect a whole different, a whole lot of things. And, um... I love this article, and I, I look at all the possibilities, and there's pros and cons. So would you next week continue with some of this? Absolutely. This is a conversation that's going to go on for years. Um, so definitely it's an important conversation for our listeners. But to, in one second, do we have any laws yet, or they're just in progress? Well, we have these. We have the biometric The preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty Incorporated. From the studio. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.